Let's hope the fall is staying. Um, so today I wanted to take a time as we wrapped up our time in First King, Book of First King, talking about the life of Elijah. I want to take a time to talk about this idea of seasons as we are facing seasonal changes. I want to I want to study a book, a uh, book that is not often preached. I would say we've done a series a couple of years back. I'm hoping to go back to it. It's a book that is not always happy, a book that is not always easy to understand. In fact, the book feels uh, rather pessimistic or dark in, in many ways. Uh, it repeatedly talks about this idea of death, talks about what, what's the meaning of life, chasing this, the meaninglessness of life. Yet as I've gotten older, I'm not old yet, I've gotten older um, and have spent my time in the book, I've grown to really appreciate the main idea that the book presents. We're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes just for today. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the third chapter, first 15 verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 15. If you didn't bring your Bibles, it's on the screen as well. Let me read for us. On the screen? Maybe? Maybe not? Yes? Can we? On the screen? The, the passage? It's okay. I'll read for us. Uh, for everything, there is a season. Oh, there you go. And a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born. A time to die. A time to plant. And a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill. A time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, and a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart is so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to men. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor anything taken from it. God has done it. That the people fear before him, that which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Interesting passage. A well-known passage. Perhaps if you've been to a funeral, been to uh, a season of mourning, this is the passage that we often turn to. In fact, the book of Ecclesiastes, this is uh, part of the book. The whole book 
is often attributed to a man named Solomon. Some people believe it's Solomon. Some people believe it's not. I think it's Solomon. And in this book, dated around 10th century B.C., this King Solomon, the son of David, he looks back on his own life, as an old man looks back on his own life, and attempts to answer major questions about life. Questions like, what does it mean to live a good life? What does it mean to live with purpose, with vision, with values? In the book, he speaks honestly about reality of death. He, he really mentions and he continues to talk about death is in front of us. No one can escape death. The elusive nature of success and pursuits and life itself, the pursuit of meaninglessness and much more. So three things I want to highlight from our text. One, understanding the seasonal nature of life, just as summer is giving way to the fall, there are seasons that we go through as people. Two, embracing seasons of life, including the one you are currently in. If you're like, I don't like my season. Well, part of following Christ, following God, and this journey of life is embracing every season that God puts in front of us. And third, enjoying the gifts that each season offers to us. Even in the most painful and difficult and challenging season, Solomon, or the author of the book, reminds us there, there are gifts that we can enjoy. So first, the seasonal nature of life. Let's talk about that. Verse 1, Solomon says in chapter 3, there is a time for everything under the sun, a season for every activity under the heavens. And, and he gives us from verse, verse 2 to verse 8, there are 14 pairs. And the whole range of human activity is discussed. He presents birth to death and time to kill, time to make peace. And he, he covers all of human activity in verses 2 to verses 8. Every experience, every action, all the highs and lows and joys and pain points of life. In verse 3, he begins with the most momentous events of life, being born. And then he talks about time to die. Next three pairs with various creative and destructive human activities. Verse 4, he deals with human emotions. First, private, right? When you weep, you are alone. When you're laughing, that's a private moment. Then public, lamenting. Weeping publicly is lamenting. And then there is dancing. And then verse 5, relationships. Relationships, friendships, marriage. And verse 6 deals with possession, right? And our resolution concerning them to search, to give up, to keep, to throw away. And verse and 8, again, deals with uh, relationships again, how we deal with them. And altogether, Solomon, or the author, employs 14 pairs to describe all seasons that you and I experience under the sun. And really, what he's saying is life is episodes of seasons. Right? One's life, there are many, many seasons. Even this year, we have experienced different seasons. That's life. One of the first things that God, God created in the scripture, right? In Genesis 1, one of the very first things that cre God created was what? The sun, the moon, and the stars. What is the role of the sun, moon, and the stars? They indicate time. They help us see seasons are here, seasons are going. Just as hot, humid summer gives way to cool, breeze, breezy fall, 
and eventually to cold, dark winter. In the same way, our lives are filled with different seasons and activities. For some of us, in this current season, you are in a season of harvest. Right? A child, a birth of a child, promotion at work. You've worked on something really hard and now you are bearing the fruit of your labor. You've, you've, you've been at work and you've been, you've been really enduring this terrible boss and for years and years. And God sent you to a new department you have a new boss. And it's amazing, Right? For others of us, you may be season of sowing. You are a newlywed trying to figure out what it means to live with another broken human being. Uh, you are a new parent of a newborn, an intern at your first job, or first week at your business that you've just started. For others of us, others of us you may be season of waiting, waiting for a move, waiting for a new job, waiting to start a family, waiting for the one, the love of your life. For some of us, you are in a season of sorrow and grief. You have moved away from home, and soul feels so lonely. An end of a relationship, a loss of someone you love, one thing that is important for us to remember in the midst of the seasons that we're experiencing now, whatever season you are currently in, whether it's a great season or a difficult one, I think what the text reminds us is that these seasons are not forever. Whether you have an amazing season and you're loving your life, and whether you are in a tough, difficult season and you do not like your life, what the scripture reminds us, there are different seasons and your current season is not forever. Tell somebody it's not forever. Right now, just do it. Turn to left and right. Say it's not forever. All right, it's not forever. Thank you, three people. Um, I mean, imagine, right? We have a lot of babies in our congregation and more are coming, right? More are coming. And parents of a newborn, right? I remember when my two daughters were really young, when Emma was just born, my first one, days felt like weeks, and weeks felt like months, and months felt like, you know where I'm going, right? When kids are young, and they are wearing diapers, and they, are, they need to be sleep trained and all these things, uh, and you aren't able to get any sleep, right? it feels like forever, yet it, older parents, right, now that we look back, now kids are like out of diapers, kids are going to school and able to do things on their own. Now we look back and we miss those days. We miss like babies being babies. Some of you are grieving a breakup. Perhaps like this year, it was, you thought this person was it. You thought he was it or she was it and they said it's not you but it's me. You know the typical breakup line. And it feels utterly painful. Breakups are terrible. I remember like dating. And I remember break, breakups are like the worst things. But in due time, you're going to heal. And you'll be ready to meet someone else. That's why falling in love is also very beautiful. right? Just as difficult and painful breakups are, people, again, fall in love. Because there's different seasons. 
The life, again, is a cycle of seasons. The good, the bad, and the ugly will not last forever. And this leads us to next observation from the text. The second one is, so one is understanding the seasonal nature of life. Second is learning to embrace the current season of your life. The word embrace. Verse 9 and 10, Solomon looks back at a time in his life when he was so utterly frustrated by the events of his life. Even Solomon, the man who had it all, the king who had it all, he looks back on his life and he thinks about a time when he was so utterly frustrated by what was happening around him. And he explains the main reason for his frustration was the fact that he didn't understand why some of these things were happening in his life. He didn't understand the purpose behind all the things that were happening around him. And if we're honest, don't we get frustrated ourselves when things that we did not expect begin to happen in our lives? The question of why, right? Why is this happening to me? Why is happening to me now? Why not now? Why me? Why not me? And that's what it says in verse 11. Solomon says, God has put eternity into man's heart, yet he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. How frustrating. God has put eternity in our hearts. But Solomon says we cannot find out the magnitude of what that means. What does he mean by verse 11? You see, this man Solomon, if you look at other chapters, or who we believe to be Solomon, this man, whoever is the author of this book, has attempted everything, explains, pursued everything. I've built stuff and I've explored all these things. And at the end of that pursuit of life to the fullest, he realized there's nothing in the finite earthly realm which can satisfy the human heart intellectually, but also practically. Though he himself has gone the distance to understand everything he can under the sun, that's the whole book, only to realize he can never comprehend God's plan in its entirety. Friends, what Solomon is trying to help us understand is God is not intentionally hiding his plans to us. It's not like God takes us to places and, and puts us in a new season and he intentionally hides his plans. It is simply that we are limited in our ability to grasp eternity in our finite place. We can never see the whole picture. That's the point of him being God and us not, be, us not being God. Imagine, right? Imagine a person standing on a hill in the middle of a dense and expensive forest. They have a clear view of immediate surroundings, right? This man is seeing these three trees, which consist of towering trees and lush undergrowth and winding stream. The person marvels at the beauty of the forest and believes they have a good understanding of the entire forest. However, when this person doesn't, what this person doesn't realize is that the forest expands far beyond what they can see from their vantage point. In fact, the forest stretches for hundreds of miles in every direction. It contains a multitude of different ecosystems, including mountains and valleys and lakes and various species of plants and animals. Each of these ecosystems play a unique role in the overall health and balance of the forest. 
as the person stands there, they might spot a squirrel or a, a beaver. And as they spot this squirrel in one of the trees and hear the distant call of a bird, they may think they grasp the essence of the forest based on these limited observations. They might even try to make decisions about how the entire forest should be managed based on the small slice of experience. Yet, doesn't mean the person is truly able to grasp what he is seeing. They are just a tiny speck in the vast expense of the forest and their understanding is confined to what they can see and hear from where they are. Go back to the other picture, please. The previous image. This is, this is us, right? We see life and we're like, okay, this is my life. Can we go back to the next picture? But that's life far beyond. That's often my picture. That's often your picture when we think about what is happening in my life. We spot a squirrel in our lives and assume that's all of the forest. C.S. Lewis touches on this idea in a book called Mere Christianity, a classic. And he says, the future is something which everyone reaches at the rate of 60 minutes an hour. Not 61 minutes, not 59 minutes, but 60 minutes an hour. Whatever he does, whoever he is, it does not matter. What he's saying is no one can see beyond next 60 minutes. In an age of modern technology, I've talked about this before in other sermons, we are lured into illusion of control. You and I, right, take out your smartphones, everyone, I don't know, my phone's there, take out your smartphones, and our smart, smartphones and the technology gives us the illusion of control. With smartphones at our fingertips and advanced medical treatments, right, it's got the best hospitals, and seeming endless information at our disposal, it's easy to believe that we have harnessed that reins of existence. Yet truth is, right, if we really think about it, we have a very little control about what's about to take place. One doctor's visit, one car accident, one storm, mother nature, one virus can change everything. And what we are constantly reminded, especially through this book, is that tomorrow is not guaranteed. Which means, if tomorrow is not guaranteed, which means to live wisely requires what? A profound sense of courage, strength, grit? No. What it requires, because we don't know what's happening tomorrow, it requires a profound sense of humility. Humility that says, God, although I don't see the other trees, I don't see everything, even though I feel lost, I know you are not. Because you have created the whole ecosystem. You have created this whole world. To trust humility, to trust in God's plans, even when it appears dumbfounded or opposite to what you thought would be good for your life. That's why in, in verses 9, 10, and 11 in our text, Solomon stresses human inadequacy, right? To understand God's disposal of seasons of life. If you think about it, events and seasons of life, we do not choose them, they are imposed on us. No one chooses a time to weep or grieve. 
equally the events of life that come our way undermine our confidence that our toiling will, any, will have any type of permanence. We're not sure they will have any total meaning because we cannot stand outside of events of life and view them from the beginning to the end like God can. That's what Solomon means precisely. That God has put eternity in our hearts, yet we cannot truly grasp so then what's Solomon's advice? What's Solomon's advice for us in, in this text? It is to embrace the uncertainties of life, to embrace life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, trusting that, that we, we believe in the one who knows. We might not know, we may feel lost, but we have the one who knows it all. Which means the relationship that ended for some of you guys. Guess what? God knows what you need. It is not him. It is not her. This means the, the rejection letter from the job or the school. The, the school you thought, man, that's the school I need to go. The job, that's the job I need. Guess what? God knows what you need. It isn't that school. It isn't that job. The struggles at work. The failed business, the unrealized hopes and dreams. Guess what? God knows what he is doing. Amen? Amen? God knows what he is doing. We don't. It's okay. But he does, and that's good. So understand the season, seasonal nature of life. Embrace the current season that you're in. And third, final point is to see life as a gift. Everyone say gift. Gift. Verse 12. Uh, Solomon says, therefore, this is Solomon's conclusion, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to men. And some of you guys, you're thinking, Pastor Simon, I hate my season. And there is nothing enjoyable, nothing pleasurable, nothing remotely happy about my current season. Anyone? You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe you feel that way. What's enjoyable about being heartbroken? What's enjoy enjoyable about being rejected? What's enjoyable about facing our failures? Listen to Solomon's train of thought in verse 11. He's not just saying this as Christian cliche. He's not just putting it out there and saying, just enjoy life. Verse 11 to 14, verse 11, it says, Since God is in full control of what's, what's happening in life, and verse 14, whatever he endures forever, nothing can be added to it nor or anything taken from it. Sandwiched in verses 11 to 14 is this advice that Solomon gives to enjoy. What he's saying is, if you look at Solomon's train of thought in this text, what he's saying is, if you can trust God over all matters of life, then you can find joy even in the most challenging seasons of life. Not happiness, not laughter, not enjoyment, but joy. Because joy, you've heard it many times here, joy can be found even in the most darkest seasons of life. In fact, you can be utterly successful. You could have the best season of your life. You could have the best return on your investment this season, yet you might not have joy. 
Because joy is not tied to our eternal reali- external reality of whatever situation that we're facing today, good or bad. A lot of wealthy, a lot of successful people are, are utterly joyless. Pastor Sam Storm, he says this, and I quote, Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. Joy is not the, uh, the, the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. Remember 1 Kings 19, we're just there last week. Elijah is miserable. He's burnt out. He's ready to quit and walk out on his ministry as a prophet of God in chapter 19, hiding away alone in the cave. Who shows up in his most miserable season of life? God shows up in a small voice and restores Elijah's strength. It's not just Elijah. When you look at the stories of Scripture, it is true of Hagar. It is true of Jonah, Job, David. Many, many people in the Scripture, their, their most intimate encounter with God, with Yahweh, happens during the most challenging seasons of life. When Hagar is all alone in the desert with her son, ready to die, God shows up. When Job is desperate, upset, dumbfounded about what happened to his life and all the tragedies that he's faced, God shows up. Friends, every scripture, what scripture reminds us is every suffering, every challenging, difficult season that you and I face is an opportunity for you and I to be in the presence of God. Because truth be told, some of you guys are facing perhaps a very difficult season in your life. But I want to remind you, Scripture continues to remind us, God is not far away from people that are in desperate situations. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the successful. The Lord is close to the good-looking people. The Lord is close to, no, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 147, 3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Friends, the greatest gift in every season is not resolution. It is not answer prayer. It is not anything, but it is his presence, right? It, it is his comfort. It is his mercy. It is God showing up. That is the greatest gift in every challenge, challenging season we face. Let's conclude by looking at verse 15, and this is where we'll land the plane today. Verse 15 says, that which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. What? I want to focus on the last phrase of verse 15. God seeks what has been driven away. The verb to be driven away in Hebrew literally means to those who have been persecuted, to those who have been put aside. Verse 2 two to 8, Solomon is describing human life without God, right? Just human, human experiences. The idea that God seeks what has been persecuted reminds us that death, brokenness, violence, and sorrow that 
is described in verse 2 to verse 8. They were never part of God's original design. Yet the scripture reminds us death entered creation due to what? A rebellion clearly recorded in Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve took the fruit that they should not have, all of these broken brokenness enter humanity. Yet we have hope because God seeks what has been driven away. And friends, this is the nature of our God. God who is willing to send His one and only Son to come after you and I who are driven away from, from the life of God, who are alienated enemies of God, And Jesus entered creation as one of us. That's what the scripture says. This is the gospel. Jesus entered creation as one of us, flesh and blood. He came not only to show us what it means to live a life without sin, but he came to heal, to bind us up, to transform our weeping into laughing, our mourning into dancing. He came for us. And through his sinless life and murderer's death, Jesus appeased the righteous wrath of God, which needed to be appeased. And as long as we are willing to receive him as our Lord and Savior, that's what Jesus asks us to do, we can trust and have confidence in the words of our passage in verse 11. God has made everything beautiful in its time. God has made everything beautiful in its time. In its time. One more time. Awkward. Turn to each other. Turn to each other. Encourage one another. God has made everything beautiful in its time. That's long. Let's practice. That's better. That's better. Five people. Awesome. I believe that. Whatever you're facing, friends, whatever struggle that you may be facing, whatever season, even even the great seasons that you're facing, know that none of those things are going to define your life. What defines your life is this, that God makes everything beautiful according to his purpose. Not ours, not what we think is beautiful, not what we think is nice. According to his purpose, his vision, he makes all things beautiful in his time. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Man, you guys look, you guys tired from Chiso break? Should I preach again one more time? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful book, wonderful book that reminds us um, what is true purpose of life, what does it mean for us to live a good life. Um, as we live in a world that is so opposite of what the book speaks of, I just pray, Lord, you would remind us once again. If anyone in this place now, present or watching this, is struggling, is um, in the shadow of valley of death, I pray that you would remind them you are with them. You go before them. You prepare a table before them, before the presence of the enemies. Their cup overflows, not because of who we are, but because of what you have done, Jesus. And would you continue to humble us? Would you continue to humble us to recognize, Lord, even though I don't know what tomorrow you go before us. And you have done everything. You make everything beautiful in your time. And help us never to forget that. We love you. We thank you. In His name we pray. Amen.
Friends, we're going to go to time.